Have you tried changing your health year on year, resolving that this year things are going to be different, but nothing seems to change? Oftentimes, when things are not changing, we're following many wellness myths and not looking at the full picture, including our nutrition, recovery, stress management, leaving out mind-body connection. I want to introduce you to Wellness Redefined, a new podcast from Refillion Media that's here to dispel all your myths about wellness and fitness while sharing stories of how we redefine what it means to be healthy. On each episode, we'll be talking to experts from all walks of life who will share their own unique wellness journey and offer their perspective. I am your host, Tamika Rochester, founder and CEO of Harlem Cycle, a premier wellness space in New York City with a focus on indoor cycling. I've been an advocate for wellness since as early as I can remember. So if this sounds like something that could help change your life, go ahead and pause the show you're listening to and subscribe to Wellness Redefined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Another episode of Between the Reps with Brooke and Gina and Devin. We have a guest on, so I bet all of you are pumped. They're like, finally, we get to learn something. Yeah, Isn't learn something. You, Gina, make or hear somebody else's voice. To fix them. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and just intro Paul. You guys, Paul Austin is one of the most prominent voices. I am reading his autobiography, his biography. So you know. <laughs> most prominent voices in the world of psychedelics. As the founder of Third Wave. He has educated millions on the importance of safe and effective psychedelic experiences, a pioneer at the intersection of microdosing, personal transformation, and professional success. He has been featured in Forbes, Rolling Stone, and the BBC's Work Life. Paul helps others use microdosing as a tool for professional development and increased self-awareness by treating the use of psychedelics as a skill refined through mentorship and courageous exploration. And I will just finish with this. And then I'm going to let Paul just take the stage. I did microdosing. Um, I've went, well, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. I have friends that have done You didn't it read the I book. Did. You didn't read I the didn't book. read the book. <laughs> <laughs> I was desperate. I was desperate. I, it was when I was going through my divorce and I was mm. very depressed for a couple of years. And mm. the women on this podcast can attest to that because when nothing else works, they they were there. Drugs. Pick <laughs> <So, laughs> me up. Call it medicine. Okay, we call yeah. it medicine. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you're you're gonna get many responses like that from Gina. So yeah, sorry. Be prepared. Be prepared to correct. <laughs> but yeah, I um, you know, I didn't want to. I didn't really know how to. I had no idea what how to fix myself. You know, it's mm. like very, I think everyone here, I can't speak for you, Paul has, I would imagine since this is what you do, you probably have had some experiences on your own where it kind of pushed you to explore other options that are beneficial and profound and helping you actually change as a person and fix things, you know, psychologically, the way you see things, how you understand things or just big picture. And when I was going through a very hard time in my life, I was just desperate and I didn't want to be put on an antidepressant. I didn't want to, in my mind, and I don't say this, if any of you guys are listening and you're like, well, I'm on an antidepressant, I'm not talking about for you. Okay. But for me and my mindset was because of Gina's help, I was able to understand that this was more situational and there was not knowing, there was no knowing of like when it would, I would feel fixed. But I did know that it was extremely difficult to get out of bed every day and to mm. do my job, which is 
being on camera and showing up for a lot of people. And I am not somebody who can fake it. I mean, when I'm going through something very difficult, it shows, it shows. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I can't turn it off if I'm not, if I'm not talking about it, I'm feeling it in my body. I'm just like my mom. Thanks mom. Um, I feel stressed in every ounce of me. So I did have some success with it. I feel like I probably would have had even more if I would have read the book <clears throat> and I didn't know about the book. You know, I just went to the friends that I knew, um, that were following, a, you know, some sort of a practice like that, that was mm -hmm. very medicinal and it wasn't um, it wasn't like a extracurricular, right. It wasn't for fun. It was, was serving a purpose and having something in mind, like what am I trying to heal or understand from a different perspective? So, you know what? I'm going to read the book. <laughs> read the book. You'll be able to master microdosing, right? All that's right. the, uh, that's the frame around it. Well, and I've always thought about it as like a skill, right? So you, you, when you worked with microdosing initially, you're, you were just sort of onboarding yourself into a new skill. It's like learning to cook or learning to do jujitsu or learning to do deadlifts or whatever. So when we first, when we first try that, it kind of, it's weird. It doesn't go all that well. You know, we might need some help and some support through that process. But then as we do it more, we, you know, we get that advice and that support that we can refine it. And then it becomes even way more effective than, a, than it was initially. Yeah. I do think that, um, I having someone or something that I was able to follow or work with, uh, would have helped me even be able to notice, like pick out the things that I was feeling, mm -hmm. um, and, and watch for those basically, you know, like when I was going through the whole experience, um, I think that that probably would have helped me get through that, like, you know, get through the shit, maybe even more effectively and maybe a little bit faster than I was able to do that. So I need to master he, it. <laughs> here we are, though. Here, we, here are. we are. You know, it sounds like you came out on the other side and, and, um, what well, I mean, was I, it beneficial? Was it helpful? Do you think no, you, it definitely, you shifted and changed at all or? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I do. I do believe in, you know, just like at a molecular level, what is happening when you are going through something like that, when you are doing it with the right intention, right? It's mm -hmm. such, it's such a, I don't know nearly anything about it, especially compared mm -hmm. to you, but what I have experienced or I do know for myself, or I feel like I've figured out along the way, I guess, is it is a, a powerful tool that can really help you and I mean, as basic as it is, like just feel better, live better and be better for everyone around you, whether that's at home in romantic relationships or at work, maybe it's just in traffic, <laughs> you know, or like at the DMV. <laughs> that's the best way to test it, right? <laughs> or TSA. The, the parts where the edges come out the most. It's like, yeah. yes. soften. Yeah. I have a that. sister. I have a sister who uh, had really crippling anxiety and panic attacks and all of that. And she was on a, I don't, I can't remember what she was on. But she's been microdosing for the last, I don't know, because you can explain it better, Paul, but I know it's, it's the, the, you're not microdosing all the time. It's like you're, it's like a couple days on and then off and then that sort of thing. And then, so she's been off of her, whatever her medication was, mm -hmm. um, since doing the microdosing, she's been great. She hasn't had any panic attacks or anything like that. Um, but it's, but I think the misconception is that you're doing it all the time. Like she yeah, doesn't have to microdose every day. 
that's one of many misconceptions. I mean, even the the very definition of microdosing has has fluctuated, right? Some people would say, "Oh, you just take a an amount that you don't feel anything at all." Whereas I would say, and and the phrase that I've landed on is more like sub-intoxicating. So it's like you can navigate your everyday life, but you're not getting so high that you can't really, you know, do anything or function, right? So it's sub-intoxicating. It's about a tenth of a regular dose of a psychedelic. Um, And so for LSD, that's anywhere from five to 20 micrograms psilocybin. It's anywhere from 100 to 250 milligrams. And kind of to your point, you know, when people are coming into this, they're doing it for the first time, they're really looking for a protocol, right? And and, and the, the metaphor that I use to describe it, it's like scaffolding. Because when, we, when we're building something new, we're building new habits, we're building a new way of being, that initial scaffolding is really helpful because it allows for a, a structure that we can sort of create off of. And so when, when people are coming into microdosing, it's really not helpful to, to microdose every day because the classic psychedelics have short-term tolerance. So if you take the same amount two days in a row, uh, neurochemically, nothing's going to happen. So you need at least 40, 48 hours between between dose levels for it to continue to have the efficacy. And so the classic protocol is microdose on day one, take day two off and feel some of the afterglow. Day three is back to baseline to totally reset. And then day four, you microdose again. And so when we're microdosing twice a week, what I tell folks is this isn't you just take a microdose on day one and expect your whole entire life to be transformed. It's like going to the gym or meditating. You're not going to really see significant results until you do it consistently. And so what we tell folks is do it for a minimum of a month, right? Do it twice a week and then pay attention to how you shift and change from day one to day 30, not just day one to day two. And that trajectory is is really important to allow for uh, uh, as part of the microdosing. Interesting. Yeah, I did not know that. <clears throat> this is actually the perfect time. Paul, will you talk about your book? I can talk about my book. I yeah. want to hear. I want to hear about it. Because <clears throat> well, I haven't read little, it, but I'm going to. I'll, yeah, at one point, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell a little bit of the origin story. I think that'll that'll provide yeah. some context for for the listeners, even like how I got into the space, and you know why did I write this book, and you know why do yes, I think please. it's important and relevant. So I grew up in Michigan, West Michigan, traditional family, uh, religious family. Uh, you know, morality was really determined by uh, the church and by the law. And so when I got caught smoking weed when I was 16, uh, my parents weren't so happy. And and yet what I found is cannabis was really helpful for the social anxiety that I was dealing with at the time. You know, I didn't really get why it was illegal anyway. I kind of started to look into some of the history and research at that point in time. This was back in 2005, 2006. So pre-legalization. And then a few years after that, um, through through the same friend who introduced me to cannabis, I tried psilocybin mushrooms for the first time at a higher dose. And what I found in those early psychedelic experiences that I I had when I was 19, um, they were just really like, they they allowed me to love myself for who I was rather than feeling like all the shame and guilt that I had been raised with them. Because in more religious families and more religious structures, there's a sense of a lot of who we are has to be repressed, has to be tucked away, can't really be seen, can't really be uh, heard. And I always felt like a black sheep. I felt like something was wrong with me. I felt like, why, you know, why is it that I feel so kind of left out and ostracized in my community? And so when I had those early psychedelic experiences and these were high doses, I came to understand that the problem wasn't me necessarily, but the problem was the community and the environment that I was within. And that I actually had the power and the capacity to change that by choosing to leave. Mm. 
And so when I was 21, I, I moved to Turkey where I taught English uh, for oh, about wow. a year. Yeah. Wow. Um, I've always wanted and, to go to Turkey. Oh, it's beautiful. The people yeah. are incredible. The food's incredible. It's super hospitable. It's awesome. All those sorts of things. And then I moved to Thailand soon after that and lived in Thailand for about a year where I started my first business. And then I was in, uh, I was living in Budapest in 2015 and was taking LSD with a few friends, uh, higher dose. And we were sort of like reflecting on kind of where the movement was going and what was happening. Uh, and we sort of thought, you know, to, to address some of the issues that had happened in the sixties. So there was the counterculture and everyone was taking a lot of acid and, you know, it got a pretty bad reputation as a result of that. We thought we really needed to rebrand psychedelics, not as these sort of playthings of hippies and the counterculture, but as uh, phenomenal tools for personal development, for awareness, for healing, for growth. And kind of what I thought about at the time is microdosing is the best way to do that because a lot of people don't necessarily want to take five grams of mushrooms or a bunch of acid or go drink ayahuasca and totally lose it, right? It's like too overwhelming. It's too intimidating, but a lot of people are okay with microdosing, right? They're okay with doing a little bit. Uh, the metaphor that I would often use to describe it is, um, you know, when we learn how to swim at a very young age, most of us learn how to swim in the shallow end. We had our swimmies on, we had our little swim instructor. She told us how to navigate the shallow end. It was all kosher. And then once we got a vibe for that, we then went into the deep end of the swimming pool and started to swim around there. And consciousness is very similar, right? So if we just jump in and, and do ayahuasca or eat a bunch of mushrooms, we're probably not going to know how to navigate uh, uncharted territory in our psyche, in our mind. And so what microdosing does is it allows us to sort of wade in a little bit to get some hands-on experience to see how it feels, to see to see what it's like. And then once we have that sort of felt exper direct experience with psychedelics, then there's more of a capacity to go, oh, okay, I wonder what else could open up here if I were to go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. Because there's a lot of benefits that can be had from microdosing, which I'm happy to talk through uh, a little bit around neuroplasticity and mood and energy and flow and coordination and, and all these sorts of things. And yet what I would also say is the transformation that can happen from high doses, the, the healing that can happen from high doses, it can be a paradigm shift for people, for people who are working with it. You know, there's, there's a lot of clinical research coming out right now. Um, where MDMA, which is commonly known as ecstasy, is being used to treat complex PTSD. It's, it's I think, twice, if not three times as effective as, as normal treatments, right? And so we have over 20 veterans committing suicide every day. Uh, and so how can MDMA be a great healing modality for that? Psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, is going to be approved for treatment-resistant depression. Right, a major depressive disorder. So although Prozac and Zoloft have been around for 40 years, what we've found now with research is they're actually no more effective than placebo. So they can be useful for maybe the first three months, uh, but then after that, the efficacy wanes uh, because they numb us, right? And so the numbing can be helpful for a short time, but what psilocybin does is it gets into the core root of the trauma or the issue. It's a catharsis and it heals it. So as a result of that, Oregon has legalized psilocybin in Colorado <laughs> and the recent election legalized psilocybin. Um, so these high doses are great. And like I said before, if, if, if someone is coming into this brand new and you know, they're worried about a bad trip or they're worried about a, a challenging experience, or they're worried about, you know, just going into those, those deep realms, 
what I tell them is start low and go slow. Start with a microdose, do a microdosing protocol for 30 days, for 60 days, for 90 days. Just see how it feels, see what it's like, start to meet other people, You know, find a coach, find a mentor, find someone who has sort of gone through this before that can help to guide you and and look at it not as um, a, a pill, right? I think we're, we're too obsessed with pill culture in America, right? If I take this thing, it'll fix me. If I, if I, if I, if I, um, if I, yeah, if I just take Prozac or Zoloft or a Benzo or whatever, then I'll be, I'll, I'll be fixed. I'll be better. And what we're finding is it can be helpful, but what we really need to look at it is not a, as a pill, but as a skill, right? Where psychedelics are an opener, a microdosing is a catalyst. Uh, but the, 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 the changes actually happen when you show up for yourself, when you commit to new practices, when you commit to going to the gym every day, when you commit to a meditation practice, when you commit to cutting out, you know, uh, refined grains or sugar or whatever it is. And that in itself, those lifestyle changes uh, are what are what matters most. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. You said what? it perfectly. What? I know, yeah. What? I'm like, um, my keep going. Keep going. <laughs> well, just because it was funny. Uh, my sister, the one who um, has done microdosing, she had a mushroom party at her house just this last weekend. Oh, interesting. And so this, this woman came, she does like the chocolates and like all these like different things. And, um, and it was oh, it's like, a, like, like how women used to, it's like, like a Tupperware, like Tupperware party Tupperware. with mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. But with mushrooms. It was, and it was really cool. And like, you know, everybody started with like, um, you had like a, you know, you set your intention and you had like, it was, she put it in like lemonade or something. Lemon teching. Yeah. So you could put lemon teching in it. And then when you yeah. lemon tech it, it like breaks down what's called the chitin. So chitin is uh, something in the mushrooms that makes it hard in your stomach. Yes. And actually blocks saying. a lot of the absorption. Oh, so when you lemon yeah. tech it, uh, it kills the chitin. And so that way it's, it, it's a much quicker absorption rate. And um, and you don't have near as much nausea. So yeah. it's actually a much and it was you a, just put it, you just experience. put it in 
Well, she made it. It was like, it was like lemonade. It had like lemon, pineapple, something, and it was in a drink. So she just sprinkled it in there. It was like yeah. all, you know. So often but, is it, is it lemon? Is it it's like citrus? Just, it's citrus. citrus. And, okay. and lemon is the most intense one. Okay. Uh, and, and the one that people most commonly use, but if you use lemon, pineapple and orange, right. If you want to like mix it yeah, up, I think that's what it was a little bit. Then, mm-hmm. then that, that's and it tastes delicious. Well. And then, it, yeah, because the biggest thing about mushrooms is they taste like shit. They do. <laughs> Sometimes they make your, your stomach feel like shit. And so why not yeah. why not try to like, you know, work with that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So she was, she was um, doing this and there was a couple people there that were really frightened, like, you know, very scared to do it. And so mm-hmm. the one gal and she was there because she kind of dealt with the same issues as my sister. And it was, um, it was just really interesting because she, she decided not to do it when we were there, when she was there. Um, but it seemed like everybody was really concerned about like what, how big a dose is a micro dose. So like, maybe if you could, cause, cause I was trying to figure out like, you know, I was even a little bit scared. I was like, well, how much is this? <laughs> you know, I don't want to drink this and just, you know, all afternoon, just be out there tripping out. out of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so a micro dose is, is it's enough. It's enough that you're going to, you, you might not feel it at all, or you might feel a little bit, uh, but it's not going to be so much like we were saying that you feel intoxicated or you feel like you're, you're having a trip or an overall journey. And, and so the way that the best way to contextualize it is it's about a 10th of a regular dose. So a normal journey dose, you would normally do between, let's say two and four grams of mushrooms. Okay. And so a micro, a micro dose would be like point two uh, to even, point four. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit less than that, but definitely like point. 0.1 to 0.4. So hundred milligrams to 400 milligrams. And, and what I'll emphasize with this is, is it depends on the person, right? So if someone has a history of, let's say they've been on Prozac or Zoloft for 10 years, they're going to need a lot more psilocybin to actually feel it or have an effect because uh, their sort of nervous system and their even neurology is going to be blunted in a way from it. Whereas if someone is more of an empath they're super open, right? They're super compassionate then they might need a lot less uh, to be able to feel it. So it really is like a personalization thing. And so this is, and I talk about this in the book as well, around the, the importance of calibration. That when we're starting to work with psychedelics, right? Like mushrooms, like it's better to start low and do too little because you can always take more. You can't necessarily take less. Right. And so right. yeah, once, you once just, you're on that ride, yeah, you're, you're on, on that ride. I mean, once, once you buy the ticket, you, uh, yeah, that's what Hunter, Hunter Thompson used to you're say, like, buy well, the ticket, take the ride, no well, getting off uh, of it. All right, here we go. Got it. I'm on the ride. Yeah, <laughs> better, can't stop it. better make the best of it. Cause I can't exactly. get off. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the great thing about mushrooms is they're, they're shorter, they're shorter lasting than LSD. So, you know, the, the two most common substances, I'll talk through this a little bit. The two most common substances that people microdose with are psilocybin mushrooms, which last about four to six hours. Uh, and they're much more serotonergic. So a lot more serotonin is being produced with, uh, the psilocybin uh, and serotonin is tied to presence, contentment, you know, like meditation, feeling good, all these sorts of things. Whereas LSD, uh, which is the other common substance that people microdose with, LSD is usually around 10 micrograms. So a normal dose would be 100 micrograms. Uh, LSD microdose is about 10. And LSD is about 12 hours in length. Oh. So it's about twice as long as psilocybin. It's and it's much more, it's a commitment. It's much more dopaminergenic. So there's a lot more dopamine. So LSD is actually much better for like create creativity for 
I, I used to, when I started microdosing in Thailand many years ago, I would take it and go do CrossFit because it really helps with energy, right? It really oh, helps with stamina. It really helps with, with working through fatigue. I have heard um, that. <clears throat> I yeah, had a friend phenomenal. that, I had a friend that did like, um, like a hundred, I think, I don't know if he did the hundred mile or like a 50 mile, but run like an ultra like a, a race. Yeah. yeah. Up in Bryce Canyon. And he, he microdosed on that. And kind of talk yeah, for on, that, on, like 20 micrograms would be perfect. You want to maybe even a little bit more than a microdose because you're, you need, there's so much energy that's coming through. So oftentimes when I'm microdosing acid or even doing higher doses of acid, I go on like, I go hike, you know, up a mountain mm -hmm. and like for 10 miles, cause there's so much energy coming through that I sort of need that outlet yeah. uh, for it. Um, so a lot of people are like, kind of the way to contextualize it is if you're interested in doing things that are more extroverted, you know, being outside, moving, creating, writing, talking, LSD is really great for that microdoses of LSD. Whereas if you're interested in doing something that's more like meditative, more, you know, maybe therapy, uh, it's more kind of like internal, kind of working through things in the body or the inner psyche, I find that psilocybin is much better for that. So people often then use psilocybin microdoses to maybe wean off Prozac or wean off Zoloft. Whereas people are using LSD more so to get off Adderall or Ritalin because mm. they're, it's kind of like, um, from a psychopharmacological perspective, uh, LSD is more similar to Adderall and Ritalin and psilocybin is more similar to Prozac and Zoloft. Well, that is really, that makes a lot of sense. You I might, think a lot of people, you might not I've even need to read the book, Brooke. I mean, you might just get everything, <laughs> might keep everything going, you keep need going, right here. Going, yeah, Paul. exactly. Um, <laughs> Now, would you follow the same structure of a schedule with, if you were microdosing with acid versus, um, would you follow the same structure as one and then this is a good question. two days yeah. off and then four, day four, do it. And then two days off. So do you know who Paul Stamets is? You oh yes. I actually, okay. the, his, his, um, podcast, I've actually sent this podcast. I've probably listened to it like two or three times. If you guys have not listened to podcasts of Paul Stamets on Joe Rogan on there's probably many other ones that are worth going and listening to, but that was when I was introduced to him. His story is it, it blew my mind. Like that, that podcast was the catapult for me to understand just the world of mushrooms um, and lots of them and all of their medicinal qualities and really the importance of paying attention to that. It also overwhelmed me because when I started kind of looking into it, first thought is like, like, which ones am I supposed to take? Turkey tail? <laughs> you know, I was taking lion's mane. I ordered mm -hmm. that one. I had a cervical fusion, so I've got nerve damage. Mm -hmm. And I ordered it from Stamets' uh, website, the mm -hmm. lion's mane. And I was dosing with that because of the properties for neurological, um, you know, rebuilding and mm -hmm. working with that system. But he is, he is a very incredible guy. Oh, he's, he, and I just had him on, I have a podcast myself called the psychedelic podcast. And I just had him on, uh, we just published my episode with them a few weeks ago. So if you want to like go deeper into yeah. microdosing even, or if any listeners want to go into it, that's a phenomenal episode. Cause we talk a lot about some of the research that's coming out and, uh, you know, Paul is actually bringing, so he, so he has something called the Stamet stack, which is combining lion's mane, which is a medicinal mush mushroom, which helps with neuroplasticity and neurogenesis with niacin, which is a B vitamin. Uh, with psilocybin. And he says the combination of those three is actually, it's kind of like one plus one plus one equals five, uh, that oh, wow. there's sort of a synergistic effect between those. So he's actually bringing it through clinical trials. Uh, he's patented it 
and is and is and is bringing it through to get it legalized will probably take you know four or five six years but that's his current process and what he's working on and what what Stamets pioneered in the microdosing space is he talked about how his protocol is four days on three days off right so so microdosing with psilocybin his using his stack four days straight taking three days off to totally reset the nervous system and, and reset the neurology and then and then doing four days again and the reason he recommends that is because his his intention behind the Stamets stack behind microdosing is much more as a supplement Right. So he's really looking at just like we consistently take fish oil or just like we take a prebiotic probiotic or just like we take creatine. There's sort of a front loading that's happening where we're working with uh, microdoses of psilocybin. Uh, and because it's somewhat intense, more so than just fish oil, it's helpful to have, you know, breaks built in so we can kind of reset and come back to it. And so that's really great for psilocybin. Uh, what I would in, highly recommend nobody do is do that with LSD because LSD is a lot more intense. So that initial protocol that I mentioned, the one day on, two days off, uh, that's actually perfect for LSD. I have tried this experiment myself where I've done uh, microdoses of LSD consistently for about a month. And what happens is it. In, um, I've never had any sort of quote unquote deep mental health issues. I mean, I've gone through some shit, but I've never been clinically depressed or anxious or anything like that. But what happened when I consistently took acid for a period of time is it sent me into a, a manic state, a state of mania, oh. because it is so stimulating in that way. And so it's really important that if anyone is listening to this and they're interested in it, A, don't do acid if you have insomnia. So don't microdose with LSD if you have insomnia, because it's way too stimulating. Look at psilocybin instead. But then B, um, do it maximum twice a week, like, and don't do it more than twice a week. And, you know, like if you do it for two months, twice a week, great, but definitely have like a buffer built in, like take a month off after that to help your neurology reset and your nervous system reset, because there is short-term tolerance. Like I mentioned, like 48 hour time window, you know, you don't really feel it, but there's also a long-term tolerance buildup just like with caffeine and just like with, you know, some of these other things where, you know, we start, I'm a coffee fiend, you know, <laughs> you start with a cup and then you have two cups and then, you, you know, you like, you want a little bit more of it, you more of it. And then of course you stop and you have the withdrawals. Uh, thankfully, and I'll emphasize this uh, to circle back to the beginning, microdosing and psychedelics are not addictive. Oh. Right. And so this is why people are switching to them from Prozac and Zoloft and Adderall and Ritalin or benzodiazepines, because when we get off of those psychiatric medications, there are significant withdrawal symptoms that can sometimes be life-threatening, especially mm -hmm. with benzodiazepines. Um, psychedelics, you don't have any of that. They're actually anti-addictive. So clinical trials have shown they're incredibly efficacious at healing um, uh, addiction issues, uh, nicotine, uh, healing alcoholism even. And so I think it's really important that people also know that going into microdosing, that there's no chance of physiological dependency. There is a chance of psychological dependency, right? So, oh, I'm taking this pill. It's helping me feel better. Well, I'm just going to keep taking it because it's going to continue to help me feel better. And so the, the sort of way to contextualize that and what I always remind people is the power is always within you. You have the agency, you have the choice, you have the capacity. It's not coming from something outside of you. That's opening up your awareness, but it's not the thing itself. And I think that's also important to emphasize in, in sort of the, the microdosing conversation. 
I guess we need to be thankful for all the uh, pioneers that went out there to try to figure out the dosing. <laughs> the guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah, all the guinea, the guinea pigs. pigs. It was like, oh, fun no, most of the time. <laughs> I, <laughs> there are a few a you know, detours or that. wrong left turns. Did you ever have a time where you're like in the middle of it and you're like, oh, this was wrong. Oh, man. man. Took too much. I Here think we I go. may have pushed the envelope a little too much, a little too soon, but yeah, here I, was, I am, so we're going to get through it. I was at a conference about a year ago, and uh, oftentimes I take a little bit of acid before I go on stage, uh, just as a way to like kind of rev the engines, and it helps me with articulation and kind of confidence and extroversion, right? But I took too much, and so you know I'm about to go on stage in front of about a thousand people. And I'm like, oh All no! Right, I gotta. <laughs> I got to breathe through this. Like, <laughs> got to breathe through this. Regulate the nervous system. A little box breathing. Box breathing goes a long way if you take a little bit too much. That's yeah. what I found. I um when I was in the middle of, you know, microdosing and I was what so I'll tell you what I was told, right? So like I had mushrooms, I I had ground them all up and then I packed them into capsules. And the friend of mine who did this all the time, he kind of told me like, you know, you're never, when you, it's all ground up and you put it in, like sometimes you might get parts of the mushroom that's a little bit more potent than other times. Right. And, but I always was taken about, it was, I'd fill up like one half of the capsule. They were never completely full, but again, they all were filled pretty much the same, but I had, I was getting ready to leave my house and I was heading to the gym or going somewhere. And I remember I was letting my dog out to the bathroom and I was out in my front yard. I was, and I was sitting there and I, I'm looking around and my dog's going pee. And I thought to myself, like, huh, I think the earth's kind of breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I thought it was, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I may have, what, 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 may have been They've overdone it. in there. Yeah, it, didn't, it didn't like get anything more than that. But I just, you know, I felt like anyone who hasn't microdosed or experienced that, one thing that, um, on top of helping heal things like trauma or things you're trying to work through, man, it is, it is really cool to experience nature mm -hmm. truly mm -hmm. being alive. Cause we know it's alive. Mm -hmm. Right. But like, even just that experience of like being outside and the sun shining, well, the sun's shining, but it just feels brighter. Right. right. And everything's got like a sparkle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it, it feels, um, sp special mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that was the one time that I was like, I went outside and I was like, Oh, and I thought that. And I go, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> is this is where, is this, is this as much as it's going to be? Or am I like, should I stay home? <laughs> did you stay home or did you, uh, no, I went out. you breathe through it and, I breathed and, through and I, you had your moment head. and then, yeah. uh, and then went about your day. Yeah. 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 It's important. Yep. Yeah. I well, wonder, Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I wonder how, I, I'm curious how the pharmaceutical companies feel about mm. this, this, you know, because I feel question. like it's something that is so much, you know, less expensive. I'd imagine they don't like it. I would imagine that they don't like it very much. But, well, you know, it's, <laughs> they deserve to be bitch slapped. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
what we do at Third Wave is we sell, we actually sell a kit to grow your own mushrooms. Oh. And so, so because it's, it's largely illegal in most places, mm-hmm. although it's become decriminalized in certain spots. And like I said, Oregon and Colorado have legalized, but it is legal to sell a kit for people to grow their own. And so ah. what we're encouraging people to do, not encouraging, but allowing kind of facilitating mm-hmm. is it's like a kit that comes with everything except the spores basically because legally we can't combine psilocybin spores with a kit that can grow the psilocybin spores there's okay. issues there uh, but we can sell the kit itself and and what people find is you know after like four to six weeks they essentially have sort of a stockpile of their own mushrooms and what did it cost them you know i think the kit and the course together cost something like 200 bucks and they have okay. enough medicine for six months or nine months or 12 mm-hmm. months all of this to say is mushrooms grow everywhere it's right. just the tech the technology to grow our own is just going to keep getting exponentially better and better and better. And, and so when it comes to then sort of farm pharmaceuticals and the pharmaceuticalization of, of um, even psychedelics, right. Cause there's been, there's been almost probably over a billion dollars at this point invested into the psychedelic ecosystem. Mm. And the, the vast majority of that has been through drug development, right? So there are a lot of companies that are starting to, you know, take, even just psilocybin, the psychoactive psilocybin and bring it through clinical trials, but they're also creating novel and new psychedelics to attempt to bring them through clinical trials to prove efficacy for various things. And the core, the core kind of one of the core differences between the classic uh, pharmaceutical medications for, and, and for this case, let's just say like Prozac and Zoloft and even things that help with PTSD is uh, they often blunt our response to what is going on. They numb us from it which minimizes symptoms in the short term, but le- ends up leading to a lot more complications and issues in the long term. What psychedelics do is psychedelics actually, there's there's something happen, there's something that happens called catharsis, where the thing that's leading to the addiction or the thing that's leading to the depression or the thing that's leading or led to the PTSD actually has to be confronted and faced. So the story, the memory, the trauma, whatever it is. And by confronting it, it actually transforms and can be integrated. Now, this is not easy. This can be very difficult. There's a lot of anger and sadness and grief. And, you know, it's what we call shadow work, so to say. But it's in that confrontation where we essentially face our demons that allows for us to be sort of healed and transformed through that process. And high doses do that very well. That's also feasible to do on lower doses and microdosing. It's just not, not as confrontational. All of this to say is... You know the the pharmaceutical industry for benzodiazepines, for um, for uh, Adderall and Ritalin, for Prozac and Zoloft. It is built on a model of taking it for the rest of your life, right? Right. And what psychedelics do is they interrupt that model, so you can actually heal the root cause and not be dependent on a pharmaceutical company to actually get better. So it it, it empowers, it creates agency, and so I think you know pharmaceutical companies. To, to, to frame this, I think the biggest psychedelic company right now that's doing biotech and drug development, they have like a market cap of maybe a billion dollars. It might not even be that. Total, all the companies might have a total market cap of $3 billion. I forget the latest number, but like the market cap of Merck and yes. you know Pfizer and Moderna, it's going to be in the hundreds of billions of dollars. You know, After the oil and gas industry, the pharmaceutical industry is the second biggest industry in the world. Oh, yeah. In other words, they're just, it's almost like right now, psychedelics are kind of like that annoying mat that just keeps coming around 
but they're not really doing much at this point in time to to actively to try to squash it. it. Yeah. No, a lot of the a lot of the issues to getting past prohibition is more just the ignorance of of of, of policymakers, uh, and and um, and with that being said, there's no doubt that it, I, my sense more than anything, it's kind of like what's going to happen in the psychedelic landscape is is it's it's really grassroots. So like we saw Oregon legalize, Colorado legalize. There's a lot of places decriminalizing. It's just going to help more and more people, and it's going to kind of. Sp- spread its tendrils mm-hmm. to the point where I think over 10 years, the pharmaceutical companies are going to see Prozac, Zoloft, you know, benzos, all these sort of typical psychiatric medications just start to dip, 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 Dropping. dip, dip. Yeah. And then before they really know what happened, my sense is psychedelics will be the thing that most people actually end up using and not necessarily just like these, you know, taking five grams of mushrooms, but my, my bet is that microdoses, right. Different, like, like you were saying, Brooke, you you know you tr- looked into lion's mane and turkey tail. My sense is microdoses with other herbs, so adaptogens and functional mushrooms, and you know various other things could actually replace a lot of these psychiatric medications uh, in the next 10, 15 years because they're more efficacious, because they're not nearly as addictive, if addictive at all, uh, because they're a lot cheaper. Uh, I just sense that uh, that that's kind of how we'll. Uh, that, that's my optimistic hope. Yeah, that's how things will unfold. Well, I find it interesting too. And I, I think it's mostly, I mean, I don't even know if it's like an age thing, but a lot of people that are, you know, closer to my age, like I'm fi- in my fifties. So like, you know, forties, fifties, it, it is thought of as, um, it's interesting. Like somebody would take, you know, Advil every day or something like that. And then, but this is drugs. I think it's, you so know what in, I mean? It's, it's like that. So ingrained, it's, right. You know, and has been for how long that, Maybe that's why the pharmaceutical com- pharmaceutical companies also are just like meh, right? Like well, yeah, majority, I mean- major- all the you know majority of people like we're we're making our money, you know, like it's doing its job. Yeah. Um, there needs to be a a shift, a paradigm shift, a mental shift in. And I've had this conversation just when people you know with like competing, they're like they want to have the conversation about steroids mm. and. And liver king do you see liver king you know liver king <laughs> oh is? yeah yes Motherfucker. But just but just like in the topic of, of like just steroid right is so many people will just even just like uh like drugs right like oh it's a drug it's like well you're putting so many things like so many different things under one label and that's just not the best way to do it because that's not it's not the same well, there's just a lack of nuance, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and this is what I tell folks, like psilocybin is significantly different than heroin. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, Are you sure? And, and, <laughs> and like psilocybin is also very different than alcohol, right? Yes. And alcohol is legal and alcohol. And part of the reason alcohol is legal is because we've been using it for so long. It's very normal. It's very normalized in a way, mm-hmm. but we also look at tobacco and nicotine, right? Like tobacco and nicotine are actually much more harmful than psilocybin and even LSD. Uh, there was this guy, his name is David Nutt with two T's. And David was the, he was, he was, a, he was in the cabinet in the UK. He was like the UK home minister. This was in 2010. And he, he gave a presentation to the, the parliament of the government at the time and essentially said, riding horses is more dangerous than taking ecstasy taking MDMA. <laughs> so we should obviously make either, either we need to make riding horses illegal or we need to, you know, end prohibition and legalize these drugs. 
he was promptly fired immediately no. after making that point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And so he came out with this thing and in the, in the, this is in the, uh, the economist, you know, maybe a decade ago where he compared all these different drugs, right? All these different things, both legal and illegal. And what he found is LSD and psilocybin mushrooms were the two least dangerous drugs out of all of the drugs that we use, including wow. tobacco, including alcohol, including, um, you know, obviously heroin, cocaine, uh, and that our our policies are not indicative of science. Our policies are indicative of propaganda and fear and uh, profits. And, and profit, exactly. That's exactly what, you know, the issue is it's, you can grow your own mushrooms. Mm-hmm. You can grow your own weed. So they can't capitalize on it when you're able to grow your own. Whereas you can't grow your own Prozac. So well, they're making honestly, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> honestly, I, I kind of feel like maybe I mean, 3D is, print it at some right. point. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Everyone has to have their own 3D printer. Right. Um, but just like a, a thought or a theory, I guess, you know, is for people that are using, you know, going through the process of doing something like microdosing, you know, taking the taking control right of their body and like working toward consistently having control of their mind and their emotions and all these things, man, that just sounds like a lot of really powerful people. <laughs> To be honest, I mean, exactly. in, in, right. in, a, in a government where we're governed the way we are, why would they want a bunch of people that are thinking for themselves and happy all the time and working with each other and not having problems? And there's like way less conflict because you're just living cohesively. They can't, right. I mean, this- there's no need for people to tell us what we can and cannot do if we already are like just making the best decisions possible. And this gets into why psychedelics have been sort of on and off prohibited demonized yeah and demonized for thousands of years because they're essentially in many ways a direct conduit to something greater right so in traditional religion right in mormonism we have bishops uh in christianity there's priests and uh you know in islam there's um imams um so we always there's always a person whose job it is to sort of have that connection and that relationship and then communicate what's coming through. And what psychedelics do is they just rip that off and they say, no, you can actually have this direct experience with something greater than yourself. Yeah. And so it's the reason why, you know, like back in ancient Greece, they were working with psychedelics. They had these things called the Eleusinian mysteries where every year, like Plato and Aristotle went to these things. All of the major thinkers went to these things. Uh, but what happened is when Christianity became the official religion of the Roman empire, they said, None of that anymore, right? Yep. It's too chaotic. Uh, sort of this, what, what, what's called gnosis, right? This direct connection to God, to source. Uh, it, it, we can't have that, right? It has well, to yeah, be because you can't control confines. people that that because way. You can't control people, and people yeah. can be free to create and to do as they want. And so it kind of gets back into even everything now. And I don't want to bring up the C word at this point in time, but what you know, everything we just went through for the past two and a half years um, wasn't in, is indicative of this sort of let's say agenda around. Uh, control and and dumbing things down. Uh, Our food supply is indicative of this, uh, where it's like, you know, the population is bigger than it's ever been before, but a lot of like the matrix from a metaphorical perspective was pretty on point in terms of a lot of people are now just sort of they're, they're they're parasites for uh, uh, this, this larger machine Mm -hmm. more or less. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what psychedelics remind us of is that we are not machines right? That we actually, you know, have this connection to something that is mysterious and ethereal and sort of unknown. 
and that actually uh, cultivating that connection is is the best thing that we can do as an individual to sort of stand up to the 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 sort of shit show that we currently currently find ourselves in. Yep, I love how you've said that. I do too. <laughs> I do too because you said know, so well. It's um. Well, to me, it's like, it's just, it's, it's sad that it's not, I guess, not kosher, but like, it's too taboo to be able to have this like very okay, normal, progressive and positive conversation. But because of, you know, and I, it's like, I don't even, you can't really hold it, certain things against, you know, people, because at least for me, it's like, I understand that we are where we are from decades of people trying to control any ways, any means necessary. And on top of that, trying to um, profit so much that they function in a way that all we are to them are gnats, mm-hmm. you know, right. like that are in, very insignificant in a way that um, now we are just trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to get through all the bullshit. We're trying to reheal internally with you know diet and food and all the shit that's in all of our ingredients that are illegal and then on top of that trying to heal our mind you know because whether people realize it or not we have been through trauma even if you don't you personally don't feel like you've been through trauma we're all going through trauma <laughs> right that we just don't realize is trauma because it's deemed as you know normal normal, normal. because it's a part of a bigger agenda and that can, that can be the case in many different, you know, instances, you know, within your own small community in your business, in your office or at home or, you know what I mean? Well, it's, I know the, what you the, mean. the word that I wrote down is like, it's, it's, it's extractive, right? So the whole point of, of, of it is to, to extract energy from kind of the, uh, a, a lot of the people. And if we can extract energy, then it, you know, income inequality goes up and people get wealthier, but we're all sick and we're wondering mm-hmm. why, you know, there's poison in our food and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all this, all this stuff. So, and, yeah, and this is what inspired stuff. me to, to do all the psychedelic stuff many, many years ago to start with is because I like, you know, I started, uh, around the same time I got into psychedelics, I was doing CrossFit and I was doing paleo and I was sort of looking into kind of food systems and where our food comes from. And, you know, I kind of got deep into the, the beast of the belly and I was like, oh, this is all so fucked up. <laughs> yep. It is. It's the only way to put it. And it's so it's so it's, it's so, so fucked up. It's so <laughs> fucked up that like kind of like what you were you were uh hinting at or saying, you know, there's so many people, so many that are lack the ability to think for themselves, even though they think they are. So much so that no one really has to do much. This system runs by itself now, you know, and we're in, in to try and be able to help someone see something from like a outside big picture perspective or bringing in details that are either historical or white papers, right? People will still be like fake <laughs> news. And you're like, no, listen to me, like see the bigger picture. You got to step outside of it, but we, you know, everyone gets so offended. Right. I mean, man, it would suck to be a comedian these days. Oh I God. don't, but see, I don't think it's everyone gets so offended. I think that there's a lot of people that are thinking 
and that mm-hmm. are doing that, but there's a, the people are controlling, there's people that control the narrative that we're seeing. Cause I do think that there are a lot more people that are critical thinkers and that are, that are seeing things or whatever, so with a, whatever situation there is, because I, I mean, just talking to other people, you know, but then, but what we're seeing in social media and like on the news and everything else, it's, it's meant it to is, be polarizing and it's it meant does, to be, to be doing all make, of that. It does make it difficult when you just got to stay off your phone. Well, yes, that's the thing. <laughs> it makes it difficult to even be able to maybe believe that someone is thinking for themselves. If we're talking about like, let's say psilocybin and like meditation and the practice of microdosing and you're really trying to help them see it from a whole different view, like really how restorative it is and um, sacred really, you know, and, and personal and because of information they might be able to like doing their own research because of all the like, bullshit algorithms and things that we already know about the, you know, the, the whole beast of the system where you might be trying to think like, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to figure, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to figure it out. But yet you're only being fed a bunch of stuff that's already going to cre- keep you in a narrative that is not seeing the big picture. And that is something that is very, it's, it's scary and also kind of sad because I think more people than not want to see the bigger picture, but they continue to be stuck in the same cycle, getting the same information. And they think that they're getting all of it, but it's all, you know, a lot of things are tampered with or being withheld because it doesn't follow a bigger narrative or. Yeah. So I guess get off your phones. <laughs> yeah. Get, get off, off that phones. algorithm. That's get off your phones. <laughs> yeah. Go in the woods. Take Go some mushrooms. And, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe howl at the moon. Read my book <laughs> while you're howling at the moon. These, it does. It does feel good to be outside in nature. And if you, you know, if you don't have something like that close by wherever you live, find a park, even just like go to the park, lay down, look up. It is it. And I forget about just how good that feels. You don't even do anything. Well, I think it's important for people to, to understand too. And I think more people are, is that with, with microdosing, um, it's not just for, you know, hippies <laughs> that want to go out in the woods, you know, I mean that, that all that stuff is fun and great too. But like this party that my sister had, there were a ton of professionals, you know, right. a neurosurgeon, uh, you know, I mean, they were like big, big, high powered, big, you know, jobs and careers that are doing this and finding that to be really helpful. So, you know, I think it's important for, especially for our listeners like, what the hell, you know, I'm not going to try this shit. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, yeah. it's really everyone. It's like college yeah. students, it's entrepreneurs, yeah. it's managers, it's stay at home moms, it's people who are retired. It's like, this is really becoming something that anyone and everyone can access and, and work with. And like yeah. you said, like, like medical doctors and therapists, and it really is, we're, we're going through this major resurgence right now and education that's why I wrote this book. Education is so important because there's a great way to do it. There's a pretty good way to do it. And there's a not so good way to do it. And the not so good way to do it could be potentially more traumatic than helpful. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that people know kind of like best practices and protocols and, you know, who to do this with and how to find a good provider. And there's, there's a lot there. And, and I think, yeah. you know, the book is great, but also I have a website, a platform, the third wave where we have like guides and a podcast and training like courses and it's super super comprehensive so there's there's a lot out there for people who are just sort of starting to get their feet wet and and want to learn more i was just gonna say so where can people find you but i think you just said it (laughs) i'll I'll ask i'll ask one question first and then then we'll we'll have you lay it all out 
Um, if you could just give like, I would love to hear a couple examples of maybe some questions that you've received from people who are like, they're hesitant and, but they're looking for something to really help them heal, but they're, they cannot get past this idea that has been created, you know, around, um, the, um, the use of those, of psychedelics, like one, what type of question, like, what did they maybe ask you? And two, uh, how would you respond? So I think, I think the most common question is just like, A, how do I know I'm not going to have a bad trip? You know, and then B, how do I know this is going to work? And so usually the way that I contextualize that is I, a lot of the research that's come out is actually very affirming for people who are relatively new to this, just to know that, you know, there have been rigorous clinical trials done uh, that people have found incredible efficacy from these. Uh, some of the education that I mentioned before in terms of like, you know, is, am, am I going to become addicted to this even, right, is, is another question. So just knowing that it's not addictive. But then kind of when we get into like the bad trip conversation, this is where I tell folks like, hey, if, if it's a really significant concern for you of like, you know, if I take a bunch of mushrooms, am I going to have, am I going to be paranoid and have a bad trip? That's why microdosing is such a beautiful way to start because you can you can start at these lower dose levels. You can sort of feel into it. You can slightly increase as you want. And then when you kind of get a lay of the land and you have a sense of what's happening and what's going on, then you can choose if you want to do a higher, higher dose with a coach and a guide. Because that's the other kind of final point that I'll make is, you know, when we're microdosing, a lot of people are just doing that on their own, which is fine. And it's why I wrote this book, because we can navigate it without necessarily needing to hire like a guide who's there for us every time. But if someone is really considering, you know, like they have treatment resistant depression or they have PTSD or they, or they're just, they've heard about psychedelics and they're interested in doing like a journey, journey dose. What I always tell people is find like a qualified professional. So even on third wave, our website, we have a listing of a bunch of providers, clinics, retreats, therapists, and coaches that you can link up with who can help you navigate uh, an experience that may be at times difficult and challenging, but the way that I frame it, it's like, it's like CrossFit or, or, or weightlifting, right? Like when you're going in, like in the moment, it might be challenging and difficult and kick your ass. But when you come out on the other side, you're so grateful that you did it because the, the benefits and the transformation are 100% worth it. Said it perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, now Paul, you can tell us where we can find <laughs> kind of where to go. People, yes. so the the book is called Mastering Microdosing. It's on Amazon. We have Kindle, paperback, hardcover. So I would love for the listeners to check that out. Uh, we also have a website that we go into a lot more detail. All of this it's called the Third Wave. Uh, the Third Wave co is the website. We have a newsletter people can, or we also have a podcast called the Psychedelic Podcast that people can. You know, I've been doing it for six years. We have over 175 episodes, so people can dive in there. Want to reach out? They have questions, thoughts, perspectives. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Paul Austin Three W, uh, so folks can reach out there if they want to just hit me up and they have any questions. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to check out your website. Check it out. Check out <laughs> the book. Check out the book. I'm looking up the book Sign right now. I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm ordering the book right now. And yeah, everyone, everyone you. listening, um, definitely go check out his podcast. Um, if you, if, if anything, if it's, you know, maybe you've, you've looked into it or maybe you're like, oh, you know, you think it's really cool. It might be worth 
offering to a friend. Maybe you know somebody that is going through some stuff and maybe you know that they are being clinically treated and now you're hearing this podcast and you could really help a lot of people by just word of what was discussed here and sending them to some of these places as well. Send them to the Instagram, send them to Twitter, to the website. And uh, that is how, you know, we heal collectively. We've got to keep an eye out for friends, family, um, definitely for yourself, but we can do a lot of good just by sharing the word. It may not be for everyone. Just like what you heard Paul talk about, it is non-addictive. It has many studies that are proven to show it is able to do for me, what I like to think about at a very cellular level. Um, and that, at least for me, when I tried microdosing for the first time, that was exactly what I needed. You know, the idea of numbing pain was very enticing because when the pain feels like you just can't take anymore, it doesn't feel good. Right. And we know that there is a, you know, a lot of different struggles that people go through suicide. And Paul talked about like our, our with that, there is a better way to not only feel better, but to actually the way we see and understand some of the things we're struggling with and very cool and very, we can on our own. We don't need to go and go you know, we need them for other things, but, um, yeah, check out the book coming on. It was, um, I was very excited. All of and I think your now, connection's weird. Mine. Are you guys seeing that? I can hear. I can I hear. hear. Well. Maybe it's me. You're have you got a new laptop yet? Cause that is literally a dinosaur. Well, I'm, I'm a dinosaur. It makes sense. <laughs> <Not>. <laughs> Anyways, it I'm, could be me. I'm getting my book on the 27th. Right. Yes. Yay. That's so great. Thank I'm you. I'm going to master this microdose thing. Forward. There you go. <laughs> on the path. All right. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for having me on. Very fun. Check out Thanks the book. So much. Check out the website and uh, check out the podcast. Thank You're you so much Thank cooler you. than us. You know, it's, it's you, yeah. you are <laughs> so much cooler. cooler. Yeah. Way cooler. Not at all. All right. Not nice all. to meet you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Nice to meet you. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. All right, you want to sign All off? All right, you guys. Nice. I'm ordering me a kit. <laughs> oh, uh, right. <laughs> I'm getting Ugh. me a kit. Get me a kit. Oh, I, I, get I don't a know kit. if you I heard just... Stephen bust in, but um, mm -mm. my bathroom is leaking again through the ceiling oh. in my dining room. Oh, no, God. what okay. the fuck? Oh my God. Okay, you, you need to go what? deal with that. That's the universe telling you it's time to move to Utah. Can I move? <laughs> <laughs> In that case, you guys, you heard Devin. Shit's getting getting wild at her house, and she's gotta she's gotta go. She's gotta find somebody. We gotta call somebody. Um, thanks for listening to another episode of Between the Reps. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Five star rating. Five star warning. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. (laughs) I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5-H-E-TRAVEL at 5-HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5-HourEnergy.com and use code 5-H-E-TRAVEL to save 20%. 